It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting has to spend their four times. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight in Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. Yo, yo, yo. Brotherly Love Podcast in the house. Regular season edition. Joe Donald, John Mita with you. We're at the Twitter sphere. Be Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Be Love Podcast. John Mita, are you alive and well or just alive? Man, alive, well, I wouldn't say. Just like the um, the Eagles in general. Many injuries. Are you banged I'm up? Very... Are you banged up back there? Oh, uh, yeah. Moving I'm, I'm, day. I'm Moving day really put a toll on you? No, no doubt, man. It was, uh, it was very strenuous, you know. Two days to move in, and then I went... Right back to one of your favorite places on earth, the old Jersey Shore. So, had a guy, but uh, yeah, but uh, and then I had to watch the game out of the uh, out of the elements, but uh, found a nice bar in Summers Point to meet up with a couple friends. So, yeah, it was good, but game was horrendous. Yeah, let's let's just start right there. Why not? Philadelphia Eagles are one and one after two weeks. They beat the Redskins thirty-two twenty-seven in Week One. It was a pathetic performance in the first half. Poopy Peterson's getting out coached by Jay Gruden. Second half, the game turns on its head. You know, Wentz to D-Jack, Slippery D, couple of bombs. Redskins go into a shell. They show their true colors. Eagles win 32-27. Then Sunday night football, very much more of the same in the first half. In fact, there were points of that game where I think it was like 6-3 Falcons or 7-3 or whatever the score was at the time. It felt like it was 27-3. It felt like the worst game in the history of the planet, and yet the Eagles were hanging around. They've made their run. They finally get the lead. Two minutes or so left. Julio Jones, 50-plus yards to the house. Game set, see you later. Plenty of intricacies and details and twists and turns. Small plays that made up the difference eventually, but the Eagles fall 24-20 in Sunday Night Football. It was a mash unit. There were players leaving on every series, it felt like, to the medical tent. Or updates from the from the field that guys were injured or not coming back, or you could just tell guys were grimacing in pain. I don't know if you chalk this up to a lack of a preseason for a lot of these players and teams, but the Eagles certainly have uh, dealt with some early season lumps. We'll see how they respond this Sunday against Detroit back at the link. But John Mita assessed the twenty four twenty loss Sunday night football, a game that could have been much worse, yet they still had a chance to win. I don't know if you take any silver lining out of that or what. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just a bizarre game, man. I, it's like, wait a minute. So, like, Dallas Goddard, he's hurt. He's out of the game. I'm like, I don't even remember when the guy took a snap. Yeah, I know. In so, like, fact, me, I'll, 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 add, like, I'll add to that Jeffrey, Jackson, and Goddard. I don't, like, really, they weren't targeted. They barely saw the field. Yeah. I think they played a combined 17 snaps or something like that. Goddard, yeah. you know, Jeffrey was limping around pregame. I saw that video the other day. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell happened, but it was ugly. It was just like, you know, and then here you go. Now you're down to your third one. 
Your third wide receiver becomes your number one. Your fourth, your number two. And your fifth, if there's even such a thing, he becomes, you know, your starting slot receiver. So you can tell these guys, listen, I'm not going to blame the game on injuries. There, there are several things why we lost this football game. You know, I think Doug Peterson, you know, kind of got out coached in this one. I think that's one of the reasons. I don't understand, you know, why didn't they didn't try to help the quarterback out, right? What is the quarterback's best friend? If I said it once, I will say it again. A great running game helps the quarterback immensely. You know, Jordan Howard, nowhere to be found. They start out with Miles Sanders. You know, as as much as I think Miles Sanders has great promise and could be a a really good running back in the National Football League, I don't really think he's ready to, to, to play at this level. You know, they had a huge dose of Darren Sproles in week one. And in, in this game, he was like in the witness protection program. You know, why not put him out in the slot? He was why on the field. To... He was on the field. They weren't even, they didn't use him. It was like he was a decoy. Yeah, and, it was, and I think I think one of the biggest things, a couple things to look at, the offensive line probably played their worst football game that I've seen in, in quite some long time. I mean, maybe even that Giants game where I don't even remember the tackle. He's no longer in the National Football League. Maybe Winston Justice, where oh, he got yeah. beat like Strahan. 17 times. Strahan stacked, yeah. uh, what was, was it, McNabb, six Sunday times or seven times? Yeah, Something like that. But it was just a terrible performance by the offensive line. Carson, he played terrible. You know, call spade a spade. He didn't look good. Um, granted, I know he was a little undermanned as far as his targets and wide receivers go. I get that. But... It was just an awful game. Defensively, listen, I thought they had a decent game plan, but I think another thing that's rearing its ugly head is there's still a lot of missed tackles, okay? And I think that is a product of not playing these guys in the preseason. I'm not saying you got to wear these guys out. I get it. You want to rest them. You want to get healthy. You don't want to suffer a devastating injury in the preseason. I'm totally on board with that. But the problem is it just seems like that they were a little rusty, that they're just, there's no way you can have simulated practices, you know, joint practices against another team live, but there's no way to simulate the situation and the speed of the game until you are actually playing the game. So, and Jim Schwartz, again, the guy drives me crazy. Bro, Um, hang on, hang on. Hold on. Your boy, may the Schwartz be with you. Blitzed his oh, brains God. out on Sunday night. Yeah. All right? Sure. So if there's sure. anybody on this podcast that should be <laughs> lauding the defensive effort, it should be you. Right. They got burnt on a zero blitz, fourth and three well, ball game. See you later. Well, it could have You been can't a, have it both ways. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. But this is, I want you to watch. This is what I want you to look out for, okay? When they rush the quarterback, okay? They take their tackles and their defensive ends, and they kind of still do that wide nine yep. split. Yep. And what happened? What was Atlanta doing? They were throwing middle screens to the running back, utilizing their tight end in the middle of the field. The other thing is when you don't bring pressure up the middle, some of your best quarterbacks in the league, a.k.a. Tom Brady, okay, when does he struggle? When defensive tackles are beating the centers and the guards and they're getting that push up front, which then makes him he either has to slide left or slide right, which then falls in the arms of your defensive ends. When you set out that wide and you don't pressure up the middle, you're going to give the quarterback 
he's got massive throwing lanes, right? If you're not getting pressure up the middle, if these guys are all, you know, basically essentially rushing from the outside of the defensive line, that means he's got so much time to scan the field and look right down the gum barrel down the middle. I just hate it. Listen, and and the other thing is, uh, Jim Schwartz, like, uh, Ronald Darby, I know he got cooked, and he played the worst football game of definitely of his career. But Seth Joyner brought up a good point on the postgame show um, the other day, and I totally agree with him. If you look at his tape when he was in Buffalo, he's much better when he's in a press situation. He's not a zone corner. I think he's kind of out of steam. Again, I'm not saying I'm still just I will never be a fan of Jim Schwartz. If I said it once, I said it twice again. I think he stinks as a defensive coordinator. And you can tell me he doesn't have the personnel. I I don't think he's that good. I really don't. And I think the other thing is, too, hold on. The other thing is our defensive line. Okay, Fletcher Cox, Barnett, Brandon Graham. Okay, between those three guys, they have zero sacks in two games. That is a big problem. The other thing is, all they do is bull rush. All I see out of these guys is just a straight bull rush. There's no spin moves. There's no, like, swims. There's just no creativity. They're not running twists and stunts on the defensive line. I just think, I don't know, call me crazy, but I hate shorts, and I always will. So, there it is. (laughs) Listen, listen, I'm with you. They have to get more pressure from the front four. Jim Schwartz loves the front four pressure, so then he doesn't have to blitz. When it's not happening, I think what you saw is Sunday night. He knows they're not winning at the line of scrimmage. He started to bring some heat. Sandejo, McLeod, Jenkins, they had two guys coming, both safeties coming at one point on a big play Sunday night, which they were able to uh, you know, hit Ryan, affect the throw of Matty Ice. Listen, at the end of the day, Matt Ryan, what did he throw, three picks? So your boy Sidney Jones got one, so let's get the Sidney Jones tracker going. Oh, God. I, I got to be honest with you with that bet, by the way. You really wrote me into that one. I didn't even think about it. My God. I mean, I have over four interceptions in a season. That's like a Pro Bowl. Anyway. Well, he's I got one. Go he's got one two weeks in. Are you already souring on your guy? You want to hedge it? You want no. out? Uh, Will you man rather... up? Just man up. You're about to lose the Bryce Harper bet, too. So, no, I... listen. Go ahead. They've got to find a way to win at the line of scrimmage. And that's that's not rocket science. That's football. They're not they didn't do it on the offensive line Sunday night, and they certainly didn't do it on the defensive line until they brought some pressure, and that's not winning your one on one on one matchup. One of the things that Chris Collinsworth talked about on the broadcast, say what you will about him, is that the Vikings torched the Falcons with some of those edge runs running at the tackles. Eagles didn't do any of that. He pointed it out. So I'm a little disappointed in the game planning. I love Deuce Staley to death, but I feel like every time we complain about the run game, we complain about misuse. And that comes back to Deuce. Poopy Peterson has said it. Deuce decides who's in. You know, and then they probably call the plays based on the personnel. But it's hard to get into a flow when it's Miles Sanders for the first three series. And then it's the end of the first quarter and you throw Jordan Howard in. And you go three and out. And now it's somebody else's turn. Like, I understand the rotation. They have a lot of talent back there. But at some point, you've got to let somebody establish a rhythm in the run game. You have to let your linemen establish a rhythm in the run game. I talk about it all the time. The linemen want to get off the line of scrimmage, smack the other team in the teeth, and push forward. If they're constantly backpedaling and defending, 
you know, it's hard for them to get engaged in the game. Carson tried too hard again. And I know that sounds crazy. Why wouldn't you want him to try too hard? But when he pushes and when he has to make every play and when he's playing hero ball, he gets himself into trouble. He takes unnecessary hits. He threw up a couple of ducks. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, he got into a rhythm being a baller, going all out, some of those escape plays in the pocket. But you need a rhythm to get into that kind of, you know, to ride that momentum, I feel like. The rhythm came too little too late, and then they cough it up with the fourth and three going to the house. Your boy, Nelly Aguilar, your thoughts, John Mita? He just, you know, he just came up so small. Right, Um, but when did he come up small? In a big moment. In a big moment. And let me say this. I don't know if you went back and watched the fourth down heave, fourth and 14, but if Wentz doesn't get hit, I don't know how the hell this happened. Dan Quinn probably would have quit football. But Nelly got behind everybody. He had to slow down for the ball to 20, or he may have caught that one and gone to the house, but Wentz had about 14, you know, Falcons defenders up in his grill. Like, it was, you know, the pocket was yeah. collapsing. He took a he took a hit. He couldn't get everything into it. Had he had a cleaner pocket, that one might have gone for seven. But the one down the sidelines, and I was listening today to WIP, and it was to Cameron Ritchie, and Ritchie's defending Wentz, and everybody else is sort of on the fence, and somebody brought up Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan surveyed the field. He changed that play on fourth and three. He saw what the defense was giving him. Wentz doesn't do that enough. Are you are you high on the ball to Aguilar down the sidelines? Go back and watch it again. Wentz looked right at him, saw that he had one-on-one, and knew that a little stutter move and a go route, he was going to be wide open, and he put it right in his wheelhouse. If that's not understanding a defense and knowing the personnel and knowing the scheme and knowing where to put the ball, I don't know what is. So enough of this Wentz doesn't have this or doesn't have that. He just has to play within himself. And too often, he gets so worked up about being Brett Favre 2.0 or Roethlisberger 2.0 and being the hero, just relax and use the weapons around you. And I know that's hard when it's Matt Collins, Ortega Whiteside, and some dude off the street. But the bottom line is, now they're going to get reps this week. Those guys are going to get reps. So we should see better Sunday against Detroit. And it looks like D-Jax is going to be out two games. That damn Thursday night game in Green Bay really screwing the birds. At least after that, he'll get 10 days off. So we expect him back. Anything on Alshon Jeffrey? You know, again, I think he's in the same boat. I think he's kind of in the, you know, it looks like he'll miss two games. Yeah. So. Well, I'll tell you this. Yeah. It's, a, it's an opportunity for Mac Hollins. And... We saw Matt Collins two years ago have some moments, some deep balls, some good speed. Yeah. And in the fourth quarter, he was sort of the only thing going there, him and Aguilar. Yeah. Um, so I think Matt Collins can fill a serv- serviceable role in this team. Now, him getting the start, him having to play 60-plus snaps, him sometimes getting double covered, I, I don't know how that's going to pan out. We'll find out on Sunday. But certainly yeah. Aguilar well, is going to have a bigger, a bigger focal point from the Lions defense. And you're going to need Zach Ertz, baby. He's going to have to step up. And make some bigger plays. Well they, well, they just, you know, they just activated Ellis from the practice squad. He was a backup tight end. They kind of showed, I mean, he showed a little, some some flares that that he could make some some tough catches. Uh, he had this one one handed catch that was pretty sick. But I think, I think these guys at least getting first team reps. I think that's going to be huge. I think the other problem we need to look at is, man, this team in the last eighteen games. 
they've gotten off to just miserable yes. slow starts. Yes, they, they were second to, second to last right. in a league last year in first quarter yeah. points, I think, or first half points, yeah. and their yardage no, was right. terrible, and yeah. they've been god-awful again this year. Exactly. So what is that a product of? Oh, I know what is that's that a, a product, product of. That's a product no, of Andy Reid because Andy Reid was huh? the exact same way. Andy yeah. Reid well, was way better after halftime after he had a few cheeseburgers and refueled. Well, no, but Andy usually scripted his first 15 yeah, and they were terrible. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, but no, but what, I, what I'm going to say is I'm going to throw out there is that a product of Mike Grubb, just not being the type of offensive mind and helping out like Frank Wright. I mean, in 2017, you know, we were getting off the great start. Yeah. We were blowing people away. I agree. Early. Well, the one, the one constant, or I guess the one variable, I should say, is you lose Reich and you add Grow, or Grow right. assumes a bigger role, and and right. maybe you know maybe it falls in his wheelhouse. Now we're never going to find that out. Peterson's never going to throw him under the bus, but maybe internally right. behind closed doors, at some point, you have to say what we're doing isn't working. You know, maybe Absolutely. you got to take a deep shot. Maybe you have to get touches to Sproles. Maybe you have to you know put these guys in space, get them the ball short. Let's see some screens. Get. Get some touches for some of your skill guys early. See if you can get them in a rhythm. Get Carson in a rhythm. You know, it's too much of this middle nonsense early in the games that doesn't, you know, if it doesn't materialize, it's third and long and you're you're punting the ball. There's no sustained drives. There's no two or three first downs. And then a punt, it's legit like, you know, three and out and giving up the ball. And the Corey Clement fumble, you know, to start the second half, it's just inexcusable. And the the special teams for this group – when was the last time they made a play? What I mean, I guess the Bears playoff game. You know, yeah. homeboy got a finger on the kick. Yeah. But other than yeah. that, this this as a unit, no returns. You know, the punt yeah. team. You know, when are we going to see what we saw a couple years ago, where they were the best special teams unit in the league? Crazy eyes, Dave Fipp can't be liking that. Nah, crazy. <laughs> you know, no, he looks I'm, like I'm, Adam Gase's brother. What a just—he's a joke. Yeah. But um, yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I I think it's gonna be imperative once Detroit comes in this weekend. It's amazing they're still a seven-point favorite. I mean, I'm like shocked by that. No, no, no. Like, I don't Listen, know. Huh? Detroit stinks. Okay, the birds are home. <laughs> well, and well, let me just be throwing out right now. Well, exactly. You and know? and and listen. One on one tie. But listen. Still. Let me let me tell you this. The fact that the Eagles stayed in that football game Sunday night tells me all I need to know about how good this team is. Okay? They yeah. were down to their third string at some positions, their backups yeah. at some positions, on the road against a desperate Atlanta team, a team yeah. that owes the Eagles for each of the last two years in big, right. big spots. And that was the best Atlanta had to offer? Wow. 24-20? Like, come yeah. on. No. That game, no, when those guys went out early, that game literally could have become 35-3. to three. No, I totally agree. With you. But and can and, we and the Eagles back? really could have won the game. So I'm not, as much as the sky is falling, as much as I woke up Monday with a pit in my stomach and, and hated life, honestly, that team showed a lot of fight. They, they progressed as the game went on. The coaching and the game planning got better. Some of the reserves made plays. Wentz started to find his stride. I'm confident they blow the doors off the lines on Sunday, and then you go to Green Bay on a short week and you flip a coin. You see what happens. Maybe the defense, you know, can can generate some heat, create some turnovers, 
and they win that game. But I think they're 2-1 and one after Sunday. The Lions stink. And then you're going to Green Bay on a short week. It's never easy in the NFL yeah. on the road Thursday night. We'll see what happens. Can you answer me this question? Why, when we need nine, uh, nine yards on a play, our receivers only run nine yards down the field? Like, when Zach Ertz, you know, they needed, like, nine and a half yards, and yep. he ran a nine-yard route. Yep. It's like, well, listen, I, and you're right on. you you got to go – you got to go – just because always, right? Like as a receiver, you're taught to work yourself back to the quarterback, yep. right? It's natural that you're going to have to go back. So if you need 10 yards for a first down, then you're going to have to go 12. Because if momentum, if you have to come back to him, that's what's going to happen. And we all know that Zach Ertz sometimes can be the yakless wonder. It's not like he's like Gronk and he's going to be able to break a tackle, you know? But yeah, I was kind of disappointing. The one time again. Zach Ertz has gotten major yak in his entire career was the game winner Might have been in the last Super Bowl. week against the Redskins. What's Ga- that? Game winner in the Super Bowl. Well, that. Yeah. He got an extra yeah. yard and a half extended over the goal line <laughs> championship. Other well, than that, has, his entire career has been... I swear to God, I was in the stands. I guess Washington. I felt like he bro- he might have broken two tackles yeah. got six yards. I think that was the I alcohol talking. Nah, man. I'm <laughs> telling it. Could have been, but nah. So, but uh, but no, you bring up a good point because uh, you know on the replay of the you know the broadcast, Collinsworth said, you know he kind of hooked back instead of what he I guess he calls sort of that choice route where they go up and out, right. up and in. You know he he kind of turned almost did the old button hook, right? Um, right. But I I talked to somebody today that's a birds fan out here in Corn Country, and he used to work for the indoor football team here in town. And apparently, okay. I didn't know this. Maybe I'll get him on the podcast. But Dixie Wooten, head coach of the Iowa Barnstormers, is a huge Birds fan, and he was, I guess, livid after the game and telling my buddy that Ertz sat down on his route too soon. So there's a there's uh-huh. an arena league coach being like, "Hey, he blew it." So take that. Wait one. a minute. So there's and the Iowa Barnstormers are no longer. Yeah, they're they're still here, but they're not in the arena oh. league. They're in like the indoor football oh. league or something. The days of Kurt, oh, okay. War- Kurt Warner as an Iowa Barnstormer oh, are long gone. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, well, how about that name, Dixie Wooten? Yeah, Good Dixie Lord. Wooten, man. Hey, and they won the championship <laughs> two years ago, so maybe we'll get him on. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right, let's. Uh, what's your prediction for Bird's lines? What do you got? Man, I mean, seven points, man. Vegas has got to be telling me something. I think they're going to win by ten points. I'm looking at Somehow they get the offense together. I'm looking at a like a, a 28 to 17 birds victory. All right, 28 17 birds. I like it. I'm going to go 63 to two. Antonio <laughs> Brown and this oh, saga. Yeah. All right, I don't want to spend oh, too God. much time on this knucklehead. It makes me nah. sick. The fact that the Patriots can pick this guy up and nobody even says a word to 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 a negative light to bring about any type of questioning this move that makes me sick. And part of it's because, you know, any time a guy in this league, in the NFL, for what, 10 years now, has had troubles or hasn't worked out, everybody's like, the Patriot way. Oh, New England will sign him. New England will sign him. And they'll, and they'll, be, a, they'll be an angel, right? And when that, brought, when that came over, the Antonio Brown, Raiders cut him, the world's shocked, the NFL's turned upside down. People were like, Pat, Pats, Pats will get him. Pats. And I'm like, no way, it's too obvious. Sure enough, New England picks him up and he's playing week two. That's embarrassing, all right? I don't care if the guy didn't do anything. Where there's smoke, there's fire. He's obviously not the best citizen on the planet. He's a bit of a scumbag. So 
you got to take that into your consideration. And I know Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, they're untouchable as far as what they can get away with, but I just can't believe that they would pick him up, put him in the lineup, like none of this stuff's going on. Whether it's true or it's not, you put yourself in a spot for this news to come out. I don't care if he's being slandered. I don't care if it's a money grab from the female. It doesn't matter to me. The fact that it's out there should be enough for pause, right? Pause for concern. Like, just hold, pump the brakes, New England. What are you doing? Oh, let's let's just add them to the mix. And am I being a hater because now they've got one of the best receivers in football? I don't know. That's for you to decide. I'm just saying this reeks, this situation, it's just disgusting, the whole thing. I'm not happy about it all. Antonio Brown, as far as I'm concerned, can jump off a bridge. That's all I got for you. I love it, man. Well said. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I watch Hard Knocks. It's one of my favorite shows. I'm so interested in you know, watching the coaches, the players, the good stories, and everything else. You know, the Raiders organization was nothing but, you know, grateful to this guy. I mean, they they supported him through everything. I mean, he comes in with in, in a hot air balloon with frostbite feet, right? I mean, yeah, come on. He comes in, right? They support him. Like, yeah, we'll wait for him to get healthy. He's not practicing yet. You know, then the, the helmet issue becomes a big thing. You know, what a joke that was. The guy complains about not being a – then he parlays it into a helmet deal, right, with Zenith helmets. So he finds one he likes, and then they sign him to a deal. And, and now they uh, – good kudos to them. They've ended the relationship with yeah. that fraud. But this reeks, and I agree with you. Like, the more and more I thought about it, just talking to a bunch of friends, like, think about it. New England wanted to get him. They were interested, right? Yep. Pittsburgh's like, hell no. We'll never trade him to, to one of our biggest rivalries because we can't. If we see him later down the road, yeah. why would you trade one of your best players to one of your adversaries? Like, it just doesn't work like that. So then they ship him to Oakland. And then this guy, like, hires a social media team. Then he gets into a fight with the general manager. He hires a social media team. And then kudos to Mike Mayock. I think John Gruden's an absolute coward, okay? Chucky, he comes off like he's so tough and rough and whatever. He put it, He should have put Antonio Brown in his damn place, yep. and he never did. But kudos to Mike Mayock for stepping up and saying, you're either with us or you're against us. And if you're not with us, Peace, see you later. Yeah. And then he gets picked up by the Patriots. And then the way the contract worked out, right? I don't know if you've read this. Is that the second year, if they decide to pick up the option, it's going to be just as much, if not more guaranteed money, than what the Raiders were going to offer. Yeah. So why do you think the other thing is, Keneal Harry, that's their wide receiver that they, that they drafted in the first round out of Arizona State, he essentially goes on the IR or the pump list with some, some you know, fictitious injury, right? It's it just the whole thing reeks. I swear to God, I think he orchestrated this from day one. He's like, I'm going to finally get a team traded to. And then I'm just, it's amazing that Pittsburgh, all these other stories that have come out about this scumbag, like, it's amazing. They kept everything on their wrap. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And I know Mike Tomlin right now, and, and maybe that whole team and franchise, like, dude. And I know some of the Raiders players were like, thank God. Yeah, we got good riddance. Yep. See you later. And, hey, listen, 
it'll be interesting to see how long he lasts with the Patriots, if he, if he can go full year. But the guy's a maniac. Who knows? I mean, he might be suffering from CTE. He's so goddamn crazy. But he doesn't pay anybody for their services. I mean, the guy's a total crumb. So Yeah. You said, and this you know, whole, and this whole so hardest worker thing, you know, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm always yeah. – uh, nobody's going to outwork me. At some point, like, guys don't care about that anymore if you're a bad apple. Yeah. You know, yeah, and the fact that Tom Brady would take him into his house and post photos oh, of Instagram on oh, Instagram with him, like it's just so, that. it's just oh. so like typical of what they do there. Like, oh, we're yeah. you know we're the uh, we're the good you know we're not the wicked witch of the way. Come here, everything will be fine. We'll fix all the problem, children. Like, just send send us your poor. We'll take them. We'll turn them into Super Bowl yeah. champions. Like I'm just I'm just sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of the way that they operate. They've never been held accountable. And you know what? This guy makes To and the sit ups in the driveway look like child's play. Like think about how turned upside down Philadelphia was pre social media in 2005 when To was wrecking the locker room because you know he didn't like what was shaken down. He was suspended for a game. He was, you know, like that was that was him blowing up that team. A fight in the cafeteria. That's nothing compared to what this guy's doing. Nothing. It's not even a drop in the bucket. And I just, you know, it's embarrassing to be quite honest that he's getting away with it. And and yeah. you know what? They're probably going to go fifteen and one. And if he stays healthy and stays a good soldier, they'll be right there in the AFC Championship game again. It just it just makes me sick. I totally agree. All right, Jalen Ramsey. Speaking of making me sick, Uh, I'm not a fan, John Mead. I'm not a fan of this concept, you know, Uh and I'll give you a couple reasons why. For our listeners out there on the Brotherly Love podcast, Jalen Ramsey, arguably one of the top cornerbacks in football. Maybe it's not even an argument with the Jaguars. He's unhappy. He's requested a trade. The Birds, you know, every team's in the mix when you hear these rumors. Anybody with a pulse in the NFL is going to be labeled in there as in the mix or has made a phone call. I'm just not a big fan of bringing in a guy that that has that type of attitude. I don't care how good he is because what the Eagles have built and and what we've been told they built is a good culture. And I don't know that you give that up just to bring in talent. And on top of that, at some point about four or five weeks from now, you're going to get Jalen Mills back. And some people might laugh at that. And I know he was sort of the, uh, the ostracized cornerback last year and he was the... He was the trash of Philadelphia because he had gotten beat on some deep balls and Jalen Mills stinks. And Jaylen, Listen, Jalen Mills will compete. Jalen Mills brings some swagger, and you've invested in Jalen Mills. So when he's healthy, he deserves the right to compete for a spot out there at the defensive back position. To me, giving up a first-rounder and or more for Jalen Ramsey is just not worth it. It's just not worth it because of the character issues and because of the fact you've got a solid corner in Jalen Mills coming back in a few weeks. <sighs> well, like the great league course says, says, not so fast, my friend. I- I'm with you. I think you know having a great locker room culture, cohesion, I think that's extremely important. But when you break down and look at this football team and look at one of the most glaring weaknesses, Giving up 680 pass yards and I don't know how many passing, receiving, passing touchdowns they've given up in their first two games, five, six, I don't know, something in that area. You have to strongly think about it. Now, I agree. The guy backs up a Brinks truck. That's what he wrote in the training camp. So once he gets his contract that he'll be eligible for next year, is he just going to fold up? Is that going to be it? 
there is a great deal of concern as far as attitude. However, do you have the leadership on your football team to keep this guy in line? I don't know, but I'll tell you what. If they were able to get a lockdown corner on one side of the football field, a guy that takes on the opposing team's number one wide receiver each and every week, Man, that makes that defense look a whole lot better, Joe. I mean, I'm with you. I know it's – listen, I, I, I get it. I know it, but I'll tell you what. The other thing is, too, when you talk about giving up a first-round draft pick, let's start there. If our team is really good, that draft pick might become 28, 29, and 25 through 30 possibly. But then you look at it and you say, listen – our draft history has been crappy the last couple of years. So why not get the proven commodity? This is a guy that's an all-pro. He's made the Pro Bowl. He is young. Okay, he's very young. And I, I don't know, man. If I'm the Eagles, I'm rolling the dice. And somebody threw out this trade. Like, would you give up a first-round draft pick and a guy like Dallas Goddard? Hell no. That get the, yeah. Come on, man. Okay. Not a chance in hell. Is if it we- easier to find... You know, another good tight end later in the draft or a lockdown. How hard is it to find a lockdown corner in this league? Well, it's impossible, really, because you draft these young guys and and you're trying to project them out, and it's a crapshoot, flip of coin. But I, I would just say this. If, if a guy like Malcolm Jenkins went to Howie Roseman and said, you get this thing done, we'll keep him in line, you know, and vouches for the fact that the locker room would be okay bringing in a big personality, a cocky SOB, a guy that's going right. to command attention and maybe not be the best soldier when it's not going well. If a leader like Malcolm Jenkins says, I got this, you know, internally, I think I'd be much, obviously much more on board with it. But I like, I like the point you bring up, man. I mean, honestly, corners like this, they don't grow on trees and it would make the defense no. all of a sudden – a lot more scary for opposing coordinators and, and opposing quarterbacks. All right, John Mita, on the fly before we get on out of here. Uh, mine is Eagles related. Would you like to start or finish up, uh, bring us up here in the rear? Well, mine's Phillies related. All okay. right, perfect. We haven't talked to any Phillies, so let's stay with the Eagles theme. I'm going to fire you on the fly. Sunday night, Jason Kelsey was on the wrong sideline after a play. It was reported. Eskin said he was in the medical tent. Sunday night football glossed over it. Kelsey, as far as I understand, did not miss a snap in the game. If you are the Philadelphia Eagles and you know that the league is supposed to, you know, buzz down for concussion protocol and whatnot, but you know your starting center was dazed and confused, do you take him out of the game? 100%. Absolutely. So you put this on. So the fact that if, if everything is true and that he really was walking wounded and the fact he stayed in the game, you put it on the medical staff? Yeah, I do. I put, I put on everybody, medical staff, coaching staff. I mean, listen, if the guy didn't know where the hell he is, he's on the other sideline. I think that's a good indication. Now, a report came out because it was change of the quarter. He didn't know how much time. I don't know. That kind of seemed like a little Come bit. Come on, of, man. This guy's been yeah, late for how long? <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's there are like, red yeah, jerseys but, over there. There yeah, are white jerseys over here, brother. I, yeah, I mean, well, and then they took Carson out and tried to put him in the tent because I guess somebody buzzed down and he missed a couple plays. Well, he was upset. Apparently he was upset because it didn't come down right away. So the series ended. Then they tried to bring him in the tent a few moments later. The Eagles were getting the ball back 
and he wasn't right. available. I thought for sure he broke ribs on that on that hit underneath kind of his sternum again because remember two no. years ago he had cracked some. No. And, and certainly I there's got to be concern for just his durability if he keeps taking yeah. a beating like like he did on Sunday night. But uh, all right, hit me up on the fly. What do you got? In your opinion, this year, and this is something that we've discussed, you know, in regards to the Phillies and how is was Bryce Harper worth his contract? Well, the results aren't there, but I'm not going to peg it all on your guy, Bryce. Um, I'll say this. Year one in the books, I would do it again. And you know how I felt off the hop. I was on the other end of the spectrum. But his... And listen, I'll say it again. I think he's still a little too over the top with this whole flipping the hair back and the Philly fanatic bandana and the spikes and the pro Philly nonsense. Like, I didn't need any of that. Like, just come in and work hard and be part of the city. Like, you don't have to go so over the top. Like, oh, bro, I'm here, man. I've been Philly all this time. No, you just got here. All right, so I didn't like any of that. But he has busted his tail. He has hustled. He has delivered in big moments offensively. He has played great in right field. His arm, his defense, like, I didn't realize he was that good of a right fielder. So, how does it pan out five, ten years from now? To be determined. But I would say that in year one, between the merchandise sales and the ticket sales and all that, yes, it was worth it. Yes, he made, he earned his keep. But obviously the results, certainly disappointing. I would say, not this is your question, but this is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade, this year's Phillies. With all the expectations, all the upgrades, and to miss the playoffs, which they're going to, and to miss it by more than one or two games and be possibly behind the Mets and some of these other teams that are just average is embarrassing, quite frankly. Need a quick follow-up real quick. Gabe Kaplan, the manager of the Philadelphia Phillies next year. I sure as hell hope not. I hate the guy. <laughs> okay. So I'll drive him to the airport tomorrow. All right. I'm with you there. All, All right, right, brother. Excuse Always a much. good time. You're the man. Oh, no on the fly? You didn't have one for me? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, you did. Yeah, I did. I asked no, you. No, no, you did. Right. Kelsey, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, good talk. Yeah, or at least we're on the sorry. same page Jeez. here. <laughs> so listen, remember we, we played this track on the out cue last time? Yeah. And afterwards, you and I were like, damn, that was, we liked it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got, got some feedback from our boy Finnegan, and he was like, yo, what was that track? You got to stick with it. So <laughs> I think we got a new closing track. A new outro track, yeah. We have no idea. It's just an instrumental, right? Yeah, yeah. It's called Youth, produced by uh, Pacific. So Pacific... Uh, all, the, all, all the royalties go to you, brother. Mm-hmm. All right. Link. Brotherly Love Podcast on Twitter. Be Love Podcast. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Go Birds. Beat the Lions. Get back on top two and one. Cowboys suck. Uh, Eli Manning sucks. <laughs> I think that's all I got. Johnny Mina, you're the man, brother. You got it, buddy. Great show as always, man. All right. Everybody tuning in. Appreciate it, man. Props. Till next time. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.